Thank you very much, Francis, Judy. Good to see you guys. Hello and welcome to everyone out there. Jan and uh, and Kyle, good to see you guys. Good morning. How are you doing today? Or good afternoon, depending on where you are. How are you doing today? <laughs> Hi, Joseph. I will start then. Thank you very much for hosting us. Thank you very much for Eva Trade. And I'm doing very good. Thank you. And um, Hi from, uh, from France. Excellent. Excellent. Well, uh, good to see you. Good luck in the World Cup. What are we going to learn about today? Oh. I recall our seminar from last year was very impactful. I'm excited to find out what's new for 2022. Yeah, excellent. Oh. <laughs> Jan, would you like to start? <laughs> well, Go thank, ahead. Hey, thank, thank you. You know, I appreciate you guys having us on board this morning. Uh, it's morning time for me. Jan, it's, his, it's the end of his day over on the other side of the world, um, but we are excited to be here. Um, we're, we're, we're speaking of renewable fuels now. Um, you know, the, the industry is starting to change. Uh, we, we recognize that. Um, Halterman Carlos being kind of the leader of renewable technology over on the other side of the world in Europe uh, allows us here in the States to have an advantage and a step ahead in regards to the race segment. Uh, for for our fuels. So um, we're, we're going to kind of dive into the renewable technology uh, of what we've what we've been uh, doing so far uh, and, and what our activities are up to in 2022 and 2023. Thank you for that, Kyle. Uh, may you share the screen and your screen in the presentation? Yes, so sir. Backup slides support the introduction of sustainability uh, in motorsports and sustainability through um, sustainable fuels. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Give me one second. No worries, guys. And that is why I am here. We appreciate you guys. You know, the whole, but uh, these tech seminars, right? People have questions. You guys are able to run through a process and and share your screen and show us exactly where you guys are coming from. I think everyone is going to be very interested. All right, let's see what we got. We can see your screen now. Okay. There you guys can see my screen? I can. Yeah. Yes, sir. Excellent. Excellent. Well, great. Again, <clears throat> we're going to speak about renewable technology and Renewablaze is, is, our, uh, is our product line uh, and, and uh, kind of our, our segment and our, and our way into this. Um, Obviously, you can see that uh, we're, we're the, the reduction of carbon footprint is, is huge, uh, and, and that is one of our, our main components uh, to, to uh, reformulating or formulating the, the Renewablaze uh, product line of ours. So agendas today, you know, we're going to do a real quick overview on things. Um, but I just wanted to, we'll give a little bit of history. If, if anyone's not, uh, you know, familiar with ETS, uh, in, in, the, in Europe, ETS is, is well known here in the States. It is still considered a growing brand. Um, we have a lot of heritage um, ETS brand does, especially um, in, in Europe. Um, but um, in regards to the automotive segment and, and, and racing in general, ETS has got, got a deep pedigree, no doubt. So um, we're gonna, we want to dive right into that, if you guys don't mind. Go for it. So a little company overview for you guys. You know, ET, ETS, was, uh, ETS Fuels is a flagship motorsport brand for the HCS group, which is the Halterman Carlos group. Um, the history 
uh, of, of that was found within uh, gentlemen uh, Jay Holterman and E. Carlos. Uh, these two gentlemen have uh, essentially paved the way for uh, what was considered petrol, what, what their name was for the uh, for the component that they were using specifically developed towards the invention of what was the new vehicle, which was a car, it was the, the car back in 1893. Um, 1889, ETS started to uh, a subsidiary uh, of ESSO, a partner of Peugeot 905 um, and, and the 24-hour Le Mans uh, Le Mans team. So that's essentially where ETS kind of got its, its, its foot in the door with racing was uh, through the, uh, the, the Peugeot team, the 905 uh, in 24 hour Le Mans, which as, a, as we all know, is one of the most prestigious races uh, for automotive. So um, if, I, if I may, Carl, um, yes, I'd like to uh, explain one more time. So HCS Group Hartmann Carles is the merger of three companies. The first one, Hartmann, a German company. The other one, the Carles company. And the third one, the French company named ETS. Nowadays, we are all together, all combined together and uh, different applications. Um, one of um, application is what we call the performance fuels activity. And for the performance fuels activities, we have three uh, manufacturing sites in Europe and one manufacturing site uh, in the USA. You can go ahead. Excellent, excellent. Thank you, Jan. So obviously, <clears throat> ETS, the Formula Win brand. You know that that is that is our uh, kind of our of our calling is is the Formula Win. Uh, and essentially, you know what we are was we're high quality product and technical service company, um, and that's what ETS stands for. So Technologies and Services. Um, definitely have the strong background on the track, obviously with the heritage where we have with Le Mans. Um, the distribution that what we have essentially being that we're on the other side of the world and now that we have the uh, uh, market here in the States, uh, we have the, the capabilities of providing um, a distribution network uh, with worldwide logistics and customs. Uh, the our close technical co cooperations as well the partnerships with series organizers and OEMs OEMs being like uh, Suzuki here um, KTM for an example uh, we worked with Lamborghini we worked with AMG Mercedes um, uh, you know uh, examples of that of of kind of where where we stand uh, in the pedigree of uh, of the OEMs you know uh, our innovation. Our innovative solutions of strong focus and renewable fuels. Obviously, that is the big talk nowadays. Um, and ETS has really pushed themselves into becoming the forefront on renewable technology. Absolutely, yeah. Um, as you all know, the motorsport industry is very in need of um, paving sustainability and promote more and more sustainability. Here you can see the um, FIA uh, objectives. There are 15 objectives that set up in 2020 and their roadmap. So there are several objectives classified under either the climate actions, the sustainable practices, but also the innovations and technology. So we as ETS are fully involved in the innovation and, and technology pay. Um, and as you can see here in 2025, the uh, requirements of FIA is to integrate sustainability and sustainable innovations 
by at least in at least sorry 25% of their championships. Um, one way to support sustainability is the introduction of sustainable fuels in championships. And this is what um, FIA started in 2022 and continue to implement for the next years. If we can go on the next slide, please. Um, this is um, where we are supporting the industry. But first, we need to define what is the sustainable fuel. So uh, the definition of a sustainable fuel is a fuel which would be, let's say, comparable of a fossil fuel in terms of, com of uh, compositions, but that fuel no more uh, add any further carbon from fossil source. I mean that sustainable fuels are fuels which are recycling the carbon dioxide, which is currently present in the air. There's two ways of recycling the carbon dioxide. It's either through biomass, as you know, the biomass is a, um, uh, integrated CO2, integrating CO2 and grow from them. Either there is new technology that we call either PTL or e-fuels. Basically, those are technology um, developed by humans and which allow to capture the carbon. Then when once you capture the carbon from the CO2, you have to transform it and to combine those different atoms of carbons to create fuels, different types of fuels according to different types of engine applications. So you have existing on the market some sustainable diesel, sustainable gasoline, or for example, sustainable jet fuel that we can hear uh, more and more now for jet turbine. And so um, what we can, yeah, please, uh, what we can uh, see uh, is the next one is how do we manufacture our renewables range? So renewables is the range that we dedicate for renewable solutions. The first on the bottom, you can see the carbon capture power to liquid, what we call the PTL. It's a very interesting technology. Um, it's an emerging technology, but it's still quite new. So there will be more and more used in the future. The principle is the following. So uh, the industry will uh, capture CO2 from the atmosphere and will transform that CO2 through green energy into either thin gas, so synthetic gas, if you like, or e-alcohol. So from the alcohols, it could be methanol, for example, e-methanol or e-ethanol. Those are the two main uh, technologies that we hear of. Those ethanol can either be used as pure alcohol. Those e-alcohol can be used as pure molecules, let's say, or pure streams. Their advantage is that they have high, they are high, comp high octane components. So they are sustainable and high octane. Nevertheless, as lots of you may know, um, they are not fully compatible um, with the fuel systems. We know in the USA uh, and worldwide, there are some cars running with 100% methanol, for example, or 100% ethanol, but it's a very, um, not a lot of cars are, are vehicles are running this way. So with normal passenger cars, that solution of using only pure alcohol is not suitable. So if we come back a little bit earlier on, these alcohol can also be transformed as through the process called e-alcohol to hydrocarbons. Some I may heard of uh, MTG or ETG, so it's methanol to gasoline, for example, or ethanol to gasoline. That's 
a production way, let's say a little bit similar than the syngas, and all of them are creating e-fuels. So the e-fuels are products, those are hydrocarbons made from um, renewable sources. Their advantage is that they are drop-in solutions. They are compatible, compatible with the current fuel systems because they are most, let's say, a little bit like the current uh, fossil hydrocarbons. Nevertheless, they have some disadvantages. They, are, um, they have low octane value, which is a problem for motorsport applications, but also they are much more expensive right now than fossil hydrocarbons because those are emerging technologies. So this is the first block, let's say, that we could use, but nowadays, on, on today, it's still extremely limited quantities uh, available on the market. I think in three, four years from now, that will be much more accessible materials. So the way we are using and developing of fuel right now is using the biomass solution that you can see on the upper end. On the biomass, um, as I explained earlier on, basically the biomass is capturing the CO2, and from uh, that CO2, they are creating uh, plants biomass. And those plants can come, sorry, this biomass can come from either the first generation uh, biofuels, for example, it's well known uh, in uh, in USA, for example, um, ethanol is a fuel, it's a biofuel made from maize, okay? So maize um, or corn are grown on arable land. So those land could be used to feed people. And there is in Europe, at least a kind of um, complex, let's say, to use that type of biofuels. So in Europe, we prefer to use second generation biofuels. What we call the second generation biofuels, as I mentioned, are preferred feedstock for FIA, by FIA or by FIM. Um, their advantage is that they do not compete with food crops. So it's made from waste, okay? Cellulosic waste. In terms of greenhouse gas saving reduction, they support higher claims in terms of saving. So when you have those raw materials, then you are going to produce some alcohols. Those alcohols can be either ethanol, methanol, isobutanol, isopropanol. There's lots of potential alcohols, bioalcohols produced. As mentioned earlier on with the e-alcohols, those alcohols can be used pure, but we know their um, problematics, the fact that they are not compatible with the fuel system, or they can be transformed as well as through the, through the uh, alcohol to hydrocarbons technology, so ETG or MTG. Here also, interesting things are it's dropping solutions. They are compatible with current fuel system, but they have low octane value, and they are more expensive than fossil hydrocarbon. So the way we are produced our renewable range is that we are sourcing different type of technologies of all those technologies, we are mixing them together. So this is what we call our fuel formulation process. In laboratory, we make different formulations, formulation that we test internally and we test externally at um, partners, partners being laboratories, being um, as well uh, car manufacturers or um, fuel tank uh, providers. Once we achieve a good uh, formulations, matching the customer's requirements, then we are making our blending process in large quantities, and we are finally uh, blending, producing the fuel, and packing it into our different packagings. So those create 
four kegs of renewable-based products. Um, we have, of course, a large portfolio of products with different uh, formulations, and that's something we will uh, present in the next slides. Um, so when we offer fuels um, to our customers, we need to find the right balance. And finding the right balance in the sustainable fuel development is not easy. We have five main criteria we need to balance. The first one is the performance. For example, what is the octane requirement from the car? The second one would be the price. You have customers willing to pay a high price for a high performance, high greenhouse gas emission saving fuels. Some are not. As mentioned earlier on, the first generation or second generation is a question that we need to ask uh, to our customers. Some are happy with the first G, some others are not happy with the first G. We need that well to balance with the fuel system compatibility. Some of our customers, some of their vehicles are compatible with, let's say, E10 fuels, while some other will be compatible with E30. So that's a, a criteria which is very important when we develop the fuel. And finally, uh, we have to consider as well to what is the kind of greenhouse gas emissions that the customers are willing. Do they want to go with a low price, 20% sustainably made fuel, or do they want to go with a high price, let's say higher price at least, uh, fully sustainable fuel? So this is the right balance we need to find. It's not easy, but talking closely to the championship organizers, um, to uh, talking with the uh, OEMs and uh, and teams, we find the find the good balance, and we provide the product needed to the industry. If we go on the next slide, um, I will uh, pass the overview about what are the challenges right now for the sustainable fuels industry. For the oil industry, um, there is still a limited panel of molecules if we compare to the fossil one, which makes sense. This is um, um, new emerging technologies, so we are limited, unfortunately, but we do advance with what we have. Um, secondly, there is especially a lack of availability of light hydrocarbon components. So the fuels, especially the gasoline, are a little bit more, let's say, less volatile and or heavier than um, the usual uh, suspect for fossil rating fuels. Um, one of the issues as well that the most hydrocarbons molecules available not right now have low octane. We do not find easily uh, high octane uh, molecules at a decent price. And uh, of course, globally, um, the components we source are more expensive than the usual fossil technologies. I will come back with the fact that um, components are a little bit heavier. Um, the fact that the hydrocarbons that are a bit heavier, it causes some technical issue for some types of vehicles. If we are talking on a V8 carburetting engine, we will not have issue at all with that. But if when we are talking of um, GDI engine, especially in Europe with small bore and very high pressure of turbo, then there is some issues that has been faced by the industry uh, for oil dilution. There's as well potential uh, problem with fuel system compatibility if certain types of technology of oxygenates or if fuels are used. So the oil industry is learning from that and we have developed some solutions. And if we go on the next slide, please, Kyle. We have developed some solutions and our solutions are the following. First is 
the fact that we are continuously um, developing and testing new formulations. So I have, I'm the head of motorsport activities uh, within HES. I have a chance to have, let's say, an unlimited resources to develop the fuels. So since uh, now two years that we started strongly the development of the motorsports uh, renewable fuels, I think we have developed more than 120 different formulations. So we have the capacity as the HES group uh, involved in, in a huge transition from fossil products into uh, sustainable products. We have the capacity of sourcing and identifying sustainable solutions worldwide. And of course, I can, as a, uh, as a manager of racing applications, I can benefit from that. So it's really a change that we do have. So we are continuously developing new solutions. Um, and those solutions, we are making sure of having them tested by car manufacturers, by engine tuners, et cetera, to make sure that they are not creating issues in the engines. Um, based on the issues faced on WRC uh, since start of the year with oil dilution, um, we have developed specific technology to avoid oil dilution in the small size uh, GDI engine. We have also developed fuels which are not aggressive, and, and those fuels have been tested and approved by tank providers, elastomers providers, and as well uh, according to uh, certain certifying labs used to um, test compatibility between fuels and elastomeric uh, compounds. We developed multiple products to fit the user's needs, and we supply what we call true drop-in solutions. We have heard some people saying they were developing drop-in solutions, and at the end, that those fuels were not drop-in solutions because all OEMs has had to change their fuel systems, and uh, it was very expensive for the industry to change their fuel system to match the fuel. So what <laughs> our claim, let's say, is to say, yeah, this is a true drop-in solution fuels that we provide. And finally, um, we are having our raw materials certified by ISCC. ISCC is the International Sustainability um, Carbon Certification System. Basically, long story short, uh, it's, an, it's um, an auditing company which prove basically that the components you are using are sustainable and the claims in terms of greenhouse gas emission savings that you are you are, you are, you are, you are um, claiming um, are according a, a, a normalized calculation process. So I would not say it's a 100% uh, CO2 savings uh, fuel because this doesn't exist on the market. So uh, using ISTC allows us to give true numbers, not inventing numbers. And as I mentioned earlier on, so we have developed more than 120 formulations. Here we can have a small overview of our portfolio. Um, so it's a short overview, as you can understand. So we have a range of products, um, which is, let's say, if we take the example of the first one, it's a 98 ROM, okay, not a, not a 98 octane for our US friend. It's a 19 ROM fuel with R20. So R20 stands for 20% of renewable content. You will understand that the fuel below the renewable is 102 R20, 
is a ROM 102 with 20% sustainable components made. If we go down and down, then renewable is 98 or 50, 50% uh, with a ROM 98. We have a specific 102 fuel made by 70% sustainable um, design, especially designed for classic cars, so meaning not aggressive at all on the old types of engines. Um, renewable is 104 R70. It's uh, high octane, higher octane, not FIA regulated fuel, but uh, providing performance to uh, old Formula One cars. Um, with, if we go down renewable is 102 E20, the fuel that we use and fuel in Dakar, we will see in the next slide. The LPC3 and LPC4 R100 are fully sustainable fuel. Um, which has been developed especially to avoid to avoid the oil uh, dilution. So those fuel has been tested. Uh, I've made a presentation last week about it, and we achieved amazing results um, for a sustainable fuel, a fully sustainable fuel, having very low uh, oil dilutions. And finally, we have Renewable GTA R100 and Nihon R100 that we supply in Japan to the uh, World Championship. Uh, fully sustainable fuels uh, compatible with the GIS, um, GIS regulation, GIS being the Japanese standard for pump fuel. And finally, we also produce renewable 2G diesel R100, so it's a fully sustainable diesel fuel. So this, this gives some insight, guys, uh, in regards to who's using our technology at this point. You know, we've developed these products and now uh, with the efforts of, uh, of our team in Europe, we've been able to solidify the formula, the formula four, which is a UK series and the British touring car championship in UK as well. The, these, these particular engines are, are quite, uh, you know, well known. I mean, 1.6 to two liter four cylinder GDI engines. It's kind of uh, uh, well known here in the States as well. Um, so just showing some of uh, the advancements and, uh, you know, some proof of, of the fact that our product actually does work um, and we're currently using. Another example, obviously, is what we have is in the car rally. This is kind of a unique uh, uh, series, as, as everybody knows, it's a, it's a one off. Um, but what this does is it gives the opportunity to really show uh, for parts manufacturers and es essentially with fuel as well. These are the best tests. These are the true torture tests um, of, of what parts and, and, and longevity of the parts can do. Fuel is obviously a, a major issue with um, heat index and, and heat issues. So just kind of goes to show when, when we did come into this part of the market with renewable technology, we wanted to make sure it was a stable product and it wasn't something that was going to have any issues, um, something like the Dakar rally, which is arguably uh, the, the, the nastiest and most grueling uh, uh, race that we have here worldwide. Another example is what we have is now we're, we're actually uh, supporting the Super GT Endurance Championship Series in Japan. Um, these, are, these are kind of what we see here in, in the States with IMSA, uh, with, you know, we have a V8 and a 500 horsepower V8 at that, and we've obviously shown that we have success um, there as well. Um, yeah, if, if I may, for this uh, series, they will start full year from 2023. 
So their requirements was the fact that um, so far they were using pump fuel, local pump fuel. So they decided to switch from local pump fuel into a fully sustainable fuel because the Japanese industry is very keen to support the thermic engine and to demonstrate worldwide that sustainable fuels are a very nice solution. So their technical requirements was to make a true drop-in solution. So no change of the engine fuel system, no change on the engine itself. Of course, a slight adaptations of um, the uh, engine mapping that makes sense as soon as you are changing fuel. And uh, during the whole 2022 season, either um, the, sorry, not either, but um, the, the Super GT Championship and also we decided to take our time and our time to make sure that the fuel we are developing is uh, tested, long time testing and making sure that we will not create any issue. So this has started from March with further dyno test and uh, the last latest uh, weeks uh, and uh, of, uh, that was two, three weeks ago, sorry. Um, the track test was done in Motegi and it was extremely uh, well um, received by the drivers and by the team. So everyone was extremely happy with that switch. Some driver has said that they didn't felt any change in terms of car performance and unless the fact that they were not aware of it, uh, they would not think that they are running on a fully biofuel. And what is interesting is that uh, that fuel is uh, still providing a high octane, uh, around 101, um, 188, and it has a very limited oxygen content, just 3.7% oxygen. So it, it is basically equivalent to a E10 fuel, but E10 fuel that you found at the pump station is only 10% sustainable. This one is fully sustainable. Thank you. Yeah, and no, absolutely. I just wanted to add to that. I mean, I think I think here in the states there is a there is this level of hesitancy of us starting to to, to cross over from the fossil fuels into this renewable technology, <clears throat> and you know, in Europe as they've outlawed lead nearly almost forty years ago, um, they've had to adapt to new technologies and new uh, components to to still keep up you know, with what, what the latest engine technology is. So here in the States, you know, it, it is, it's an honest, uh, it's an honest statement when we say we're all a little hesitant to see what this is all going to do and how this is going to affect us as racers. But that's what's so nice with this particular opportunity that we have with our, with our renewable, renew a blaze line is we've already been into this race application into these well-known series and, as, as we know, as racers here, we need that. We need that bridging of the gap to, to show that this is not just words. These are not just suggestions. These are actually, the proof is there, the product works. Um, and, you know, as, as uh, you know, we transfer away from the fossil fuel, um, it will be a little bit easier to adapt, especially here in the States, because we're, we're very, we're very keen to what we know. And, and, and we try to, we kind of, close ourselves to hey, what we know is what we know and and that's all we want to do and so i think i think now uh with with something like this these examples allows us to to kind of open up our eyes and our and our hearts a little bit as racers to see okay can 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 we actually bring this technology and be successful another one just as for us here um uh, 
Jan had mentioned in the Japanese, uh, you know, uh, Superbike series, um, this, is an, this is an example of the entire series adopting. As you can see in the picture there, uh, we have every manufacturer that has now uh, tested and, <clears throat> and given the approval that the product does work. And, and really for us here uh, in the States, to have uh, the, the MFG uh, Superbike Championship running exclusive uh, renewable technology showing that um, even in, even in a, a motorcycle application that, that absolutely we can have that success. Yeah, we can say that we are covering uh, different types of applications. If we go back to the UK with touring car and opening wheels, Formula 4, um, extreme, let's say, off-road uh, through the Astara team in Dakar, and the Super GT, so uh, super cars in Japan, and now the motorbikes industry as well. So we have developed a product line with different fuels matching the different customer requirements and wishes. We have much more, uh, or we have more um, good news, let's say, with more users and more championships uh, to adopt Renewablaze. So far, the press release has not been pushed, so we are not allowed to say that. But uh, yeah, more exciting news to come in, in the next weeks. Yeah, and I, and I think that, you know, that that attests, you know, these last couple of years, there's been <clears throat> there's been this this absolute growth and change towards this and and so uh, you know this this is a, this is something that is going to be inevitable here for us um, but uh, what what is nice is ETS being kind of the forefront and the pioneers of this uh, performance-based renewable product um, it's it's going to help us uh, here in the states as well okay so yeah, the, the, the sum up is the following that renewable blades are made from uh, renewable fuels, uh, advanced renewable fuels. Um, they are designed with uh, to the aim to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. They, we have a complete range with up to 100% renewable components. Um, materials are certified according to ISTC. They are now already available in very large quantities. And, and they are high performance and drop in solutions. So the motorsport industry can benefit of low carbon footprint uh, fuels with no loss of performance. And I guess the petrol ad would be very happy that there are solutions nowadays existing to keep safe um, the thermic engines. Guys, that, that it basically concludes what we're doing. Uh, in, in our presentation here, but we definitely want to make sure that if there's any type of questions that you that any of our users or or subscribers have here, um, to please reach out. You know, this is something like I said, it's new. Um, over the last couple of years, it's really gotten a lot of momentum here. Um, we can definitely see that this is this is going to be coming here pretty soon within probably the next five years. Um, so we definitely want to make sure that uh, we're, we're here for our customers and, and here for the, the, the new years, users as well. And guys, there is actually a question in the uh, chat section from Phil. And so I'm just going to drop that on you. Uh, Phil asks, you know, what is the biggest hurdle? And of course, American Motorsport NASCAR is, uh, is huge. What is the biggest hurdle for a NASCAR to adopt a 100% renewable fuel? And I think that's something that everyone is wondering, like, you know, big horsepower V8s, renewable fuels. 
Is that possible? Is it coming? And, and what are you guys thinking about that? Asks Phil. The yeah, biggest yeah. Hurdle, Go the ahead. Biggest Go hurdle ahead. will be the, the biggest hurdle will be the cost. Um, the cost of the fuel. So we know NASCAR, the cost of the willingness, I would say. It's not just about the cost. So for sure, sustainable fuel is more expensive than fossil fuel. There's no doubt about that. Um, NASCAR is currently supplied by Sunoco. So um, I would say I will leave that to Sunoco and to NASCAR to discuss together um, how they can um, make it happen. If they want some help, we are more than happy to support. <laughs> we are ready to support. Excellent, excellent. Uh, more questions coming in, guys. I'm just going to hit you with them as they come in. And to our audience out there, if you have a question for Kyle or for Jan, now's the time. This is very interesting because it's a future-focused topic. Uh, I, I love that about it, guys. We all wonder, you know, where is all of this going? And the fact that you've blazed this trail um, is really important. What is the longer impact to physical components in the engine in terms of corrosion, uh, erosion, etc.? You know, where in the engine as related to these fuels, I, I think about leaded fuel and, and valve lubrication, that kind of stuff. So what can you say for Bob out there? Will depend on the technology of the fuel itself. Um, the engine itself, as I mentioned earlier on, um, let's say it, it depends on the engine. So is it a carbureted engine? Is it a port fuel injection? Is it a, um, a gasoline direct injection? That's the first question we must be able to, to answer to. Um, based on that, the gasoline direct injections are the ones more keen potentially to suffer to of sustainable fuels. Um, because as I mentioned, sustain, some raw materials are a little bit heavier than uh, the usual light, um, light fraction uh, race fuels. And because they are heavier, they can create more oil dilution. And oil dilution will not happen in carbureted engine at all because of the technology of the engine itself. It will not happen neither in big block engine. It will not in, uh, uh, happen in port fuel injection, but direct injection, especially the one with a small bore, because the fuel is heavy, it will not have the, the, the time, the chance to vaporize from the liquid phase into the gaseous phase. So the drops of fuel will fall directly on the surface of uh, the cylinder and directly into the Rican um, uh, box. And of course, that's what we call the old dilution. Interesting. No, very good. But, no, I, we, I, but we don't see especially erosion or corrosion itself, because um, if we take the example of uh, the GTA R100 fuel we have with 3.7% oxygen, there is no negative impact on the fuel system. And um, we are talking of fuel of a chemistry, which is extremely similar than the usual um, uh, fossil fuel. It's just where it comes from. So it comes from a biomass, not uh, on the ground. Excellent. And Bob, uh, just to continue, what about seals, O-rings, fuel bladders, all that same situation? Absolutely. That could be an issue. So it all depends on the quality of, um, first, your equipment, and secondly, the, the, the quality of the fuel. Um, if your equipment is used to run with 100% hydrocarbons, fuel, and cannot stand something like 10% ethanol, 
um, you will have to go for the same technology of, of biofuel, so meaning 100% bio uh, hydrocarbons. Nevertheless, nowadays you don't find it will be useless, let's say, to add lead in a bio uh, biofuel, <laughs> knowing that lead is very uh, very toxic and very bad for environment. Therefore, uh, you would have to stay with the octane provided by your biohydrocarbons, which are not very high. So it's a matter of balance. Um, there are some some we have developed at least our fuel to make sure that they are not creating um issues on technologies of seals or or rings especially because um, as i mentioned earlier on the industry one championship heavily suffered of fuel system compatibility when they started um, this year and we made attention to avoid such issues so it's a matter of the fuel provider and the solution they can develop and provide to the end users Excellent. I love that you've inspired so many questions. Here's another one uh, from Richard out there. Amateur road racers use street motors in several classes. Which fuel most closely represents uh, the 93 to 100 octane US pump fuel that people are used to getting at their local gas station? Which of these, uh, you know, for, uh, for engine comparison? Uh, 93. So if we talk about the 93, I will um, promote the Renew Blaze 98 um, because 93 is what we call the octane, the AKI octane in the USA. And this is basically the RON plus MON divided by two. So if I make the calculation, 93 octane would be something like a 98 RON. So um, which will most closely would replace the 93 then I would say that would be your Renewal Blaze 98. Either R20, either R50. We have also R100. I didn't promote it, but we have a, a RON 98 um, fully sustainable. Um, with regards to the 100 octane, so let's make the same calculation. 100 octane would be something close to 105 RON. We do have developed a Renewal Blaze uh, 105 R60. So we have a 60% sustainable, uh, sustainable made fuel, uh, which provide an octane of an US octane of 100. Excellent. Uh, Jose wants to know if you have any experience that you can share with dyno testing or uh, lab results for oil deterioration, one or the other. Thank you for your question, Jose. Absolutely. Uh, let's. I was, as I was saying, uh, two weeks ago we were promoting. Uh, we had a stand at uh, Professional World Motorsport Expo in Köln in in, um, in Germany, and I was make, uh, making a presentation about these oil dilution issues. So just bear with me. I'm going to share my screen soon and show you a few uh, presentation. Oh, what's good in this presentation? And con, 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 con. Here we are. Here we go. Um, how can I stop? Start. Is that okay? Can you see that? No, sir. Um, not yet. 
Not yet. Oh yeah, sure. There we go. Something's happening now. Okay. There we go. So, okay, good. So um, I was mentioning earlier on the LPC, um, um, the Renewable LPC technologies that we have developed. So um, NWRC huge issues has been met with oil dilutions. Um, and basically those are results performed at IFPN, which is the French Institute of Petroleum for New Energy. So this is a test um, conjointly developed by FIA and by IFPN. In the future, FIA will always use that test to make sure that the fuel they are choosing is not creating oil dilution issues. They are learning from their mistake, like everyone. So um, in 2022, the WRC fuels as, is giving that type of oil dilution results according to the test. Uh, long story short, every 120 kilometers, uh, we've been reported that the car has to change the, um, their oil because there were too high oil dilution issues. So what we've done is we've developed several fuels. We have the LPC-1, LPC-3, and LPC-4. LPC-3 is not shown on that graph. I got the result last week. It's in the middle of the LPC-1 and LPC-4. So the oil dilution is much lower than the current fully sustainable WRC fuel. Uh, and it's very close to the E10. So the E10 fuel is what we call the Euro 6 emission testing reference fuels. So all the car manufacturers, um, the industry, when they are manufacturing cars, they have to approve their, their uh, car emissions according to a certification fuel named E10 Euro 6. So the IFPN used that fuel as a reference and basically um, our technology with fully sustainable is very close to the E10 emission fuels. It is not as close as the fossil fuel used in 2021 at WRC. Um, and basically that was the, the explanation I was uh, providing in the earlier slides. There is a lack of light components, um, bio components. So when you are a manufacturer of fuels, on motorsport fuels, you can access to lots of uh, components, light components, and you can make fuels, motorsport fuels, which evaporate quickly. Nowadays, with the limited access of biohydrocarbons, we cannot produce fuel which are evaporate as quickly as um, the fossil fuels, which are giving lower um, oil dilutions. I hope that is clear. <laughs> yeah, that works for me. And that's what people want to see, right? They want to see <laughs> results and graphs and charts uh, that prove the point, uh, just like that. There is another question. Okay, in uh, sorry, here we are. Yeah, go because ahead. We, go we ahead. were talking earlier on of the fuel compatibility uh, with the uh, elastomic and elastomers and et cetera. So we've run, we have run tests um, at Intertech. It's a worldwide recognized laboratory. We have tested the elastomers, which are FKM AMS. Um, the testing conditions are 30 degrees C and the test time of 70 hours. We know WRC fuels has created lots of issues. So we use that as a reference and our target is to be better. 
So um, two criteria are measured. First, the uh, mean volume change of the elastomer. And another test is to, to check the mean hardness change. So you can see the WRC fuel is providing these uh, um, results. Or LPC1, which is better in terms of oil dilution, is providing such uh, results, which were not fully satisfying for us. So we have developed LPC3 and LPC4, uh, which are, let's say, very close to a, um, are making no impact, basically. This is uh, considered as no impact on, um, on, uh, on the volume change or the honor change. Either this, one, uh, sorry, as well, this one is considered as no impact. I should have integrated a fossil, how fossil fuel is impacted. Uh, I will do it later on. Um, but basically, we are, in terms of uh, fuel compatibility, we are very similar on uh, with a fossil fuel. And the last fuel which is shown is the one um, used in Japan. It's the GTA R100. As well, there is no impact or very limited impact on the compatibility uh, with elastomers. Excellent, excellent. And believe it or not, we're running, uh, starting to run short on time. I see Francisca on there. It's amazing how rapidly <laughs> minutes go when you're when you're uh, when you're learning. But I would love for you, Jan and Kyle, to please give the most vital information because there were even even a couple of more questions in the in the chat section. These folks want to reach out to you. They want to know where and how they can connect with you. There was a gentleman who was interested in distributorship. So why don't you give your vital information, contact information and an action step for the audience out there. And Kai, please present the last slide of the presentation. And yes. guys which yes. are interesting, make a screenshot. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Yes, Perfect. sir. Yeah, and we, uh, we actually pushed the ETS Racing Fuels products back on the homepage of ePortrait. So go on ePortrait.com right now and uh, uh, ETS products are right there. And within the cl click, you can connect with Ian and, and Kyle. So thank you very much, Ian. I know it's uh, beginning of the evening for you in France. And uh, thank you, Kyle. And thank you, Bill and uh, everybody at ETS for your support and for a great presentation today. Registering on ePartrade is easy. To start, click on the Join for Free button on the homepage. First, search your company to see if it's already in our database. If you see your company on the list, click on it to select it. Then, choose Claim Company if you are one of the decision makers, an owner, marketing person, or main company contact. Or choose Join Company if you are an employee, and press Continue. If you couldn't find your company in our database, select Register a new company. On the following page, fill out your name, email, phone number, job title, and choose a secure password. If you chose Register a new company, you'll need to choose your business type. Select Supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose Racing Business if you're looking to source new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose Race Team if you own or are a member of a professional race team. Then, enter your company name. Please provide a website, Facebook page, or LinkedIn if you have one, and choose to either claim or join the company. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. 
Finally, click register now and your registration will be submitted for approval. An email will be sent to your inbox. Please confirm your email address and you will be approved shortly. Welcome to ePartrade.